he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome in to Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 3, Episode 21 and 22. Finale. That's right, it is the two-part season finale, and we have decided we're going to cover both parts at once because it's basically one big story anyway. So why do a to-be-continued and then previously on? We don't need that. So Also, they've spent a lot of capital just calling it finale. Exactly. Uh, and so here to talk with you about this, as we always are, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me, the co-host, the one, the only, Audie. How you doing? Doing good. Good. The uh, kids are out of school this week oh, that's for fun. the next couple of weeks, so there is no alone time for anyone nope. anywhere until they go to bed. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, and that, we picked a hell of a week to, to do a two-part episode then, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I had funny. enough I trouble. Always... Like I had enough trouble getting both parts in, and I, it's literally just me and the dog. So I can uh-huh. imagine. Yeah, I usually wait till like Sunday or Monday to watch just so it's fresh. And I mm-hmm. definitely crammed both of them last night. And I was like, eh, let's just do this. And if you uh, pay attention to my Twitter, I was a little late on getting the artwork up because I kind of <laughs> forgot about that too. Um, but I remembered and I got it up. So. Yep. Yep. That's what matters. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. A lot of stuff happens, um, but we have yet another uh, Watcher Chronicle. We nice. got to listen to that before we get into the show. So here's that. Mm-hmm. May twenty second, nineteen ninety five. I tried to get a hold of Dawson, but it seems he's already on his way to Paris. There's no way he could know that Callus broke out of jail last night. I only just found out. But he's on his way here now, and I have a feeling he's going to be none too happy about this situation. I can't really think of anything that could be worse at this point. Seems Amanda Daria thought she could handle Callus herself and actually broke him out with the intent of killing him. And that plan did not work out at all. That madman is on the loose now, and who knows what hell he'll cause. I'm really not sure how things could possibly get any worse right now. So we open up on a prison uh, brawl that actually happens, uh, and there's an inmate that um, tries to kill Callus. where we see the prison yard and kind of everything starting out. By the way, that prison um, shank that the guy had looked less mm-hmm. like a prison shank and more like a steak knife. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was such a pristine-looking one. But anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he stabs Callus, and, uh, well, it doesn't work. Right, and Callus kind of gets up, and he says, "Ooh, you're a psychopath. I'm going to use you." Mm-hmm. And we cut to a couple of months later, and Callus makes a daring escape from prison, um, and with his uh, with his little minion. Yeah. Um, and when they meet their benefactor who helped them get out, uh, it's Amanda. Ooh. Amanda broke him out with the purpose of trying to kill him. Yeah. Good job, Amanda. Yeah. uh, It doesn't work. And Callus gets away. So now Amanda goes to the barge and uh, she makes a grand entrance and is preparing to make dinner for Duncan and all this wine and buttering him up. And Duncan Duncan knows right away something's up and he just keeps pushing and she keeps deflecting and deflecting. uh, And... It turns out she finally fesses up that she let Callus out. Duncan is suitably angry. Um, yeah. And and the biggest reason is he's angry because he doesn't want her trying to fight for him. And he mm-hmm. won't. And as he said, he won't allow her to die for him. Right. She gets upset and leaves and we get a flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, while this is all going on, Callus is out about uh, he he steals some clothes from a guy they take his car 
and him and Nino are driving around when he comes across another immortal and they run him down. They run him over with the car. Again, really good stunt work. I have to mm-hmm. give this show credit for the stunt work. Um, yep. Runs the immortal, just nameless immortal. We don't even know who he is. Runs him over, takes his sword and takes his head and has his first quickening in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so now Callus is out. He's got a sword. He's um, kind of uh, making a little merry band of thugs that Nino knows that can kind of canvas the area and look for Duncan and look for his friends and just gather information. <clears throat> now Dawson shows up, but yeah. Dawson's not alone. Dawson's no, got he's not. Mythos with him. Yeah. So I love that uh, that Duncan says, well, I know you wanted to meet him, but 6,000 miles is an awful long way for a social call. <laughs> Turns out Dawson's not in town just to see Mythos or Duncan. There's official watcher business that him and uh, Mythos are there because Mythos is, as Adam Pearson, a watcher. Um, Mm -hmm. They're they're a little cagey about it. They don't tell Duncan what it is. Um, But they also don't know that Callus is out of prison. So Duncan lays that bad news on them, Uh, which I do like Mythos's reaction because he's just like, ah, damn it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So that was some good stuff. Um, and and Cal starts to put some plans in motion. So he shows up. He goes to Maurice's restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Duncan arrives, he confronts him. They argue. and But but Duncan can't do anything because Callus grabs Maurice. Yeah, he has one of his thugs mm-hmm. grab Maurice, and they take him out of the restaurant. Yep. Duncan's able to rescue him uh, and get get him safe, but then he tells him he's got to leave. And that's another great exchange because again, Maurice trying to be Maurice. He's like, no, look, I can't, I can't leave. I got the restaurant. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. Just go. I'll pay for it. And I love that. I, is it, are we friends? Don't insult me with your money. No, fine. And he just takes the money anyway. <laughs> he takes the money. It's but, great. But Duncan, Duncan basically gets him out of town. Um, mm-hmm. And the, there's a great, like they end the way that that scene ends is great too, because it's Maurice saying, you know, for a good man, you have an awful lot of enemies. Maybe yeah. one day you'll tell me about that. And there's just, there, there's like a heart to that moment that I really, really liked for those two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so while this is going on, we have yet another plot, which is the watcher business. Um, Nethos yep. as Adam and Dawson go to visit the widow of Donald Selzer. Now, Donald mm-hmm. Selzer was the old watcher that ran the bookstore. Right that Callus killed while looking for the Mythos Chronicle. Mm-hmm. His widow is very upset by the whole ordeal. And mm-hmm. then she finds out that Callus is out of prison. The man who killed her husband is out of prison. So she yeah. is going to expose everything. She's going to tell the newspaper all about Immortals, all about the Watchers, and there's nothing that Dawson or Adam can do to convince her, even when Adam reveals himself to be an Immortal. That mm-hmm. just enrages her more. <clears throat> so she is determined to expose it all. And and Mythos, to his credit, is pretty smart where he's like, with what? She has no evidence. Right. And that's, a, that's, that's important that he feels that mm-hmm. way because Joe decides to follow her. And she, while at Donald's bookstore, finds a CD-ROM of a backup of an interactive database that Mythos and Donald were working on that had all of the Watcher's information on it. Now, putting aside the fact that they fit all of the Watcher's information for who knows how much onto a single CD-ROM in 1995, Mm -hmm. I'll hand wave that away. That's fine. she, She now has evidence. And during all of this, one of Callus's henchmen was kind of following because he saw Joe. Basically, Callus wanted to know who's Duncan's friends, where are they, all that kind of stuff. So anybody coming and going from the barge. So this guy followed Joe and Mythos from the barge to Christine's house, overheard this stuff about immortals, and takes that back to Callus. So now Callus has got new plans hatching in his head mm-hmm. because now he knows that somebody's going to go to the newspaper and expose stuff and has information. So... <clears throat> That's kind of going on. Um, and now she's got the concrete information she needs. Um, Duncan and Amanda 
doing what they're doing. They're out trying to find Callus. Right. Um, it's a fun way that they actually meet back up, where Duncan goes to the bar to find Callus. Can't find him there. As he's leaving, he feels Amanda coming. I love the exchange. What are you doing here? I'm just here to hear jazz. Like, it's just... <laughs> like, you know, you know that... American music and stuff? Yeah. You know full well that Amanda knows she's not getting away with that, but she's got to try it anyway. Like, it's just... Oh, yeah. It's so great. So, while they're out looking for Callus, they realize they're being followed, and they split up to, to take these guys on. That allows Amanda to get captured and taken mm. by Callus, and he's going to use her as bait to draw out McLeod. Yep. Um, and now Duncan knows about Christine's plans, um, and Amanda is captured. He's trying to figure everything out. Well, she gets out. She actually makes a, makes a, a pretty daring escape. But Christine is at the Tribune. She's on her way in to talk to the editor there. And Joe shows up trying to talk her out of it. And she's just not having any of it. So now he threatens her. And he pulls a gun yep. on her. Duncan arrives just in time, steps in front of the bullet as Joe is going to shoot Christine in the back as she walked away. Duncan jumps in front of the bullet. And that's another one of those great moments because we kind of fade to black, come back. And Joe is, what are you doing? Why would you save her? And, yep. me, and and I love it because he he asks Duncan that. Duncan uh-huh. just gets annoyed and walks away. And Mythos is like, he didn't save her. He saved you. Yup. And that's where we end the first episode of the two-parter. And I love that yep. ending. That was such a good moment. A great line. Oh, such a good line. And delivered to perfection. Uh-huh. Um. So that ends part one. Part two, after a recap of the previous week, uh, Christine is giving the information to the newspaper editor now, and they're going over it, and she's showing proof that immortals exist. And, of course, he's, like, just eating it up. And while that's going on, Duncan and Amanda are at the Eiffel Tower, and they're sort of, Duncan, Duncan is realizing that their entire lives are going to change. The world is about to change because they're yep. going to know about immortals. Governments are going to know about immortals. There's a great moment where Amanda looks at him and says, look, we've been involved in witch hunts before. We've survived. And he's like, yeah, but now we've got surveillance equipment and intelligence agencies and Mm -hmm. digital information gathering and all of this kind of stuff. They're going to find us, which is, you know, a a modern problem that they wouldn't have had to deal with previously. Right. Not to the extent that they do. And and this Mm -hmm. is 95. Right. So, um. While they're at the Eiffel Tower, they go up to the top on the observation deck, and Amanda's being very kind of cavalier uh, to the point where she's like looking over the edge thinking, I'm just going to jump. Why not? Who cares? Everyone's going to know we're immortals tomorrow. I don't care if you're going to survive it. I don't want to jump off of that thing. No, not at all. But Duncan yeah, gets up. sudden stop at the bottom's going <laughs> to hurt. Yeah, it is. Duncan gets up there with her, though, and they just start dancing and just kind of mm-hmm. throwing caution in the wind, and we get another flat. We get our flashback. Uh, for this episode. Um, After they come back from the flashback, Duncan kind of confesses to Amanda his feelings for her a little bit, but not entirely. They kind of dance around it still, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, And then Callus shows up at the Tribune. Before the publisher has a chance to really tell anybody about anything, he shows up and he kills both the publisher, Clancy, and Christine. And Nino does. Yeah, Nino does. Uh, I didn't think Nino could throw a knife that good. There's a lot that Nino can do. Apparently. Uh, So Callus kills them both, and he takes Mm -hmm. the the data, the the disc. So now he has all the information. He uses it to find uh, the head of the European Watchers, uh, a man named Jacques Vimas, or Vimas. Um, And he goes to his house, and he kills him. And Duncan arrives shortly after because he figured out, like Dawson told him who it was, or I think Mythos might have. <laughs> Duncan goes there, runs into Callus, and they're ready to have a fight. Callus actually kills Nino, um, kind of in a show of like, I don't care about anybody. There, And he even has a line where he says, there are no rules. Right. 
So Duncan's ready to fight him right then and there. And Kallus is like, okay, we can fight, but uh, you kill me and all that information goes public. Or you can let me kill you. He basically gives him that ultimatum and says, you know what, but I'll let you think about it. And he leaves. Of course. (laughs) Because, you know, it's what you got to do. So now Duncan has that weighing on him. Do I sacrifice myself for the good of everyone else on the planet? and all these immortals and all these watchers and just just people in general, or do I finish what I started with Callus, take him out, end him, and possibly just, just ruin life for everybody? Um, so Callus calls the barge, and Amanda, uh, Duncan's out talking with Mythos about this and kind of having a heart-to-heart with him, and Amanda gets the call. So she goes after Callus again. Again, mm-hmm. She just can't help herself. She feels that she can end this thing. So they have a, a sword fight on a rooftop and doesn't doesn't go well. Callus is just too good. He's too good for a man. Yep. Um, he, they really make him out to be a very formidable foe. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, so once again, Duncan admonishes her for, for doing that. He's, he's not happy. Um, Joe is, meanwhile, just like freaking out, upset. Um, he's got watchers looking all over, uh, for, for Callus, for his hideout, uh, all this kind of stuff. He even, he has a great blow up moment when Duncan shows up and he, all the watchers are just looking at Duncan. He's like, yeah, it's Duncan McLeod. What do you got to say about that? Like Duncan, Joe just doesn't care. Dawson is, is off his rocker at this point. Um, while all these watchers are out canvassing Paris, one of them finds Callus's hideout. Mm-hmm. He finds the computer. He calls Joe, but Callus shows up, kills him, mm-hmm. and basically says, I want McLeod. So Duncan decides he has no choice. He has to go and face him. Um, there's one last moment between Amanda and Duncan on his way there where Amanda now confesses how she feels about Duncan. But again, in the mm-hmm. same kind of dancing around it way. Yeah. Um. Duncan goes to the Eiffel Tower and that's where they have their final fight up atop the Eiffel Tower and uh, and it's Duncan versus Callus one last time now there's just you and me but there could be only one so our special guest um, I'm going to start with David Robb as Callus Callus is back mm-hmm. David Robb just nails this character he's yep. just just mustache twirling evil doesn't care about anyone and you can tell he's having a good time playing the character. Mm-hmm. I also like that they toned back just a little bit on the voice modulation. It was still there, what they were doing, yeah. but it wasn't quite as pronounced as it was before. He's, it's a combination of him doing a little gravel in his voice, but also they sort of, I think what they did was they just took a double recording of it and kind of laid it over to give it some reverb, yeah. but it, did, it just mm. wasn't as like pronounced. It didn't feel as, right. as artificial. Um, Which means you could understand him better this time around. Yes. Um, but man, is he just having fun and just straight up like evil. Just just yeah. evil dude. Does not care about anybody. But nope. one of the things that I really liked about Callus in this two-parter is that he doesn't have a grand plan. No. He, he didn't have some plan that he had been working on while he was in prison and he put into action. We got, out. he was just making it up as he went along mm-hmm. and he was playing the cards that he was dealt and kind of uh, adapting to what was, what was in play. And I like that. And I think that's exactly the best metaphor to explain how he works, playing the cards he's dealt. He gets out of prison. It's like, okay, well I'm out of prison. What do I do? Well, I'm going to use this guy as my lackey mm-hmm. as, you know, my uh, attack dog when somebody needs to die. Unless it's immortal, then I'll take the head real easy after we run him down with a car. Yep. You know, kind of thing. But it's just every step of the way, he gets this little network of thugs. He listens to the information that comes in, figures out what to do with it. One of them figures, finds out that immortals are real after listening to Dawson and whatever. He's like, well, I don't need this one anymore. Take him out. Exactly. But he uses the other ones, you know, to get Duncan to capture Amanda. Like... Yep. Yeah. No. I and I and I liked how when he found out about the the um, Christine going to the papers and putting out information, like, 
Okay, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna utilize that. And then he gets there and he has this database of information. So now he's got that in his play, and he can use that right. to, to not only take out people that bother him, but use it against Duncan and hold it as a bargaining chip. So mm-hmm. I just loved the fact that he didn't have to have this grand calculating plan. He was that quick on his feet to adjust what he was doing. It was all about just just wrecking Duncan McLeod's life in any way mm-hmm. that he could. And which also goes to show just how calculating he really is that he can work on the fly that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With whatever scheme he decides he needs to use. Yeah, and that makes him for I mean, and that was the thing was when he started out, he had the ability to kind of plan ahead. Because when we first mm-hmm. meet Callus, he's got a plan. He gets the monks to his hall and he uses that. But we saw that he would adjust as it went anyway when he when he dealt with Hugh Fitzcairn. Yep. So it it's consistent in his character and it just makes him that much more difficult of a villain for Duncan because whatever curveballs get thrown his way, he's going to be able to just adjust to very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And David Robb, you know, he, he just plays bad really, really well. It's going to be really weird if I ever watch Downton Abbey again and see him <laughs> on there, so like the kind old doctor in town. Be like, yeah, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> I don't trust him anymore. Yeah. yeah, he was a great. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm really glad that they, they were able to bring Callus back and give us some closure and some finality with Callus as well. Oh yeah. Um, Emmanuel Carson was Nino, um, and mm-hmm. Nino was interesting to me because he's, he's a crazy person, and he's played like he goes almost to a cartoonish level at parts. At parts. Yeah, sometimes um, very much. When he goes after Christine, he's like kind of hunched over and sort of almost waddling after her uh, with the yeah. knife. Um, but then like he... After, again, throwing a knife directly into a man's chest with no problem. It's like, yeah, okay, he knows he's got some skills and then he turns into a crazy person. <laughs> okay. There's great, but he also has the great exchange with Callus of, you know what a Philistine is? Phil who? Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, never change, Nino. Never uh, change. Um but yeah, I, 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 overall, I liked Nino as just, Hey, we're going to have a lackey. Like he was, mm-hmm. he was the named one. Um, the rest of them were yeah. like useless mooks and mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, Sean Weber as Christine Salser didn't have a lot to do, but she right. is sort of a secondary antagonist to, to everything that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit one note, but her perf- uh, it's the character that is. Because the character is just driven by, I just am pissed about my husband dying and spending yeah. all his time with Watchers and about Immortals. Mm-hmm. Um, her performance was good. Right. It's one of those things where it's one note, but she plays it beautifully. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't need more or less from her than no. what she gave. No, and then our last special guest we're going to talk about, because we have to, it's, it's Peter Wingfield and Mythos. Mm-hmm. Because this is only his second appearance. It's crazy to think it's only his second appearance as Mythos because he just, oh God, yeah. he's so good in that role. He nails mm-hmm. it perfectly. And he gets to be, he gets this like, he's just, I love the moment with him and there's a lot of interplay with him and Joe, which is great. And, but I love where he's just like, I'm just a guy. Like, I don't know what you wanted. Did you want Einstein? Did you want Freud? I'm just like, I'm here. <laughs> lived a long long time but that doesn't make like super powered or anything i'm still as much a man as anybody else you just gotta chop my head off to kill me that's all now the one cool thing is he does all that but then he says you know i'm gonna go talk to clancy the the guy and i'm gonna i've got five thousand years of history i can come up with something and joe gives that great line of like history's never been kind to the person bringing you know a new version of the truth and he just looks at me goes why would i tell him the truth like it's so good that's such a good response to that it's such a sly way of telling joe i didn't say i was going to tell the truth i said i was going to talk to him yeah oh it's so good and it's just delivered perfectly and like Mm -hmm. you know he taught he says several times in the episodes in both of them you know empires rise and fall civilizations rise and fall he's seen this happen so he's willing to 
run the risk of what, you know, what might happen if this information gets out. Right. Because he's been around long enough. He kind of just is going to go with the flow. That's who Mythos is. Um, well, not to mention he's been around long enough that he infiltrated the watchers without anybody noticing. I don't think he's that concerned if this data gets out anyways. No, no, not really. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I liked. I just, man, anytime he's in an episode, he's just killing it. Mm-hmm. He's so, yeah. so good. It It's rare that somebody can play a recurring role in a series and have it just hit the ground running from their first appearance. And he really did. And for a character that was meant to be a one-off, mm-hmm. and they bring him back and he just slips right back into it and just goes with it. Well, I mean, all the supporting characters in this episode, that's how they've been. Both Amanda and Joe and now Mythos. All three of those actors knocked it out their first time Mm -hmm. and really portrayed those characters from the start as they had been. Now, they've changed because of, you know, the way things have changed in the series. But good gosh, all three of them knocked it. All three of them knocked it out of the park their first time and have been good ever since. Showing us who those characters are and being solid in those characters. Yes. Yes. And it's just, it's top notch work from your special guests. You have great characters with mythos. You got somebody doing just a fun caricature with Emmanuel Carson's Nino and then Mm -hmm. David Robb, David Robb showing up just being the sinister snide, conniving snidely whiplash type character. Um, and it's great. So it's good, good, good work from special guests. One more quick little shout out just because I was like, what? Uh, the guy who played Venice, George Harris. I was like, I know this guy. Oh, yeah. How do I know this guy? And I know him because uh, for you Harry Potter fans, he was Kingsley Shacklebolt in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, that's why his face looks so familiar to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I see it. Yep. So, but, yeah. man, he was packing when they got to him. Oh, like, yeah. He didn't mess for around. One, for one, he's confronting Joe and... Adam at the time is like, why didn't you kill her? And Joe's like, I tried. And you're thinking, okay, some of these watchers, they ain't playing at all. <laughs> no. And not only that, like when Kala shows up and he's packing, what was it, a newsy or something like that? Yeah. Immediately yeah, just... in his car is like, ooh. <laughs> On his own property. I don't know if he normally, I don't know if he normally carries that around, but I wonder if, you know, Callus being, I was like, oh, we ain't, we ain't taking no chances in my house. I don't know, but boy, he, he pulled that Uzi out right away and then <laughs> ran him over and grabbed the... Now, he hesitated, and that was his mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was not messing around. So yeah, it's just just good good work from all the special guests this week. Yep. He is too young for you to be concerned with. I am old enough to take his head. I don't sleep with virgins, and I don't kill children. Not here! We are not alone. So we watched two episodes and we had two flashbacks. Um, Mm -hmm. The first flashback takes place in Algiers in 1653. uh, And it comes off the heels of Duncan telling Amanda, you know, I don't want you to fight for me. I I won't allow you to die for me. And Mm -hmm. in this flashback, Duncan is kind of traveling around with a a man named Hosma. And uh, I love it because Duncan is still fairly young. And he's complaining about the heat and he's complaining about like, right. just all sorts of stuff. And while they're sitting there drinking their tea, they feel an immortal and it's Xavier St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. Fun way to bring back a, a dead immortal, right? We can't have Xavier St. <laughs> yeah. Cloud current anymore, but we bring him back in a, in a flashback, which is pretty cool. Very smart writing. Mm-hmm. Xavier St. Cloud is, he's uh, dressed as a Moor and uh, he confronts Hosma. Or Hamza, sorry, Hamza. Um, and Duncan, with all his youthful bravado, is like, don't talk to him like that. He'll fight you, blah, blah, blah. And, and Hamza's like, let it go, dude, let it go. And I loved Xavier in this flashback because he's just, mm-hmm. oh, he's just dripping with bad. He's just like, who are you? What are you, why are you talking? Why are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. He has an a amazing line where he says, I don't sleep with virgins and I don't kill children. <laughs> just dismissive of him. Oh, it's so great. It's, all, all it does is get Duncan's like dander up more and more. Of course. So, so Xavier lays down the challenge and leaves and Hamza's like, let's go. <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's boogie. 
I'm getting out of here. And Duncan's like, you're leaving? What do you do? And he's like, yeah, I might be good, but I know my limits. I ain't fighting this dude. Let's go. And Duncan <laughs> refuses to go. So he right. goes to take on Xavier. Mm-hmm. And he's ready to. And Hamza shows back up and is like, the challenge was made to me. Let's go. And when Duncan asks him what the hell is going on, he's like, I cannot allow a friend to die in my place. And he gives him the watch that they had, which was a cool little moment. Mm-hmm. And then Duncan has to sit there and watch his friend get killed by Xavier. Yeah. Who, and Xavier, who's just like, all right, I'm out. And he leaves. And Duncan just mm-hmm. left there. So that was the first one. The second episode's flashback. Now Duncan is in Turkey as a guest of the Sultan when Amanda shows up as a dancer in the court. <laughs> of course, she's clumsy. She's having trouble. but mm-hmm. And Duncan's just enjoying watching her kind of twist in the wind a little bit. And she's like, get oh, me yeah. out of here. And, and Duncan's just eating it up. Um, but then she gets grabbed as a thief and taken away. So Duncan goes and helps her bust out of the jail. They have a big action scene. They leave. And I love the moment with the arrow where she's like, it's just a little arrow. And she pulls the, sh- the arrow shaft out of his, uh, out of his butt. And he's got the mm-hmm. arrow head in the other hand. He's like, really? And he's holding, and it's just this huge broad tipped. <laughs> it's arrow. huge. Yeah. And it's like, that's not little arrow. Amanda. No. Um, and, you know, of course, Duncan's like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? I'm dealing with you. I'd rather be a thousand miles away. And she's like, because you love it. And the thing that they did with both, both episodes flashbacks have no direct link to the events that are happening in real time. Instead, yeah. they're, they're allegorical. So mm-hmm. one deals with how Duncan and Amanda and Duncan being like, don't, don't do this. Don't make this mistake. Don't do this for me. And then Duncan remembering a time when he learned that lesson himself. Mm-hmm. And the second one is just Duncan and Amanda's relationship and the, all the scrapes that she gets him into, but he always gets out of it in the end type of yeah. thing and sort of where their, their relationship and their friendship has gone. So mm-hmm. I kind of like how they did that because it allows yeah. for a little more creative freedom with the uh, flashbacks too. Right. It's it's weird. It's the first one especially. I was listening to. It, I was like, after going through the episode, I was like, they didn't need that flashback at all. They didn't need it, but it was like an extra spice to the episode that just made it taste that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, adding that story and adding that story that's not connected to anybody we're dealing with, you know, in the present day, but also adding Xavier in there, like adding that spice of like, oh, this is where Duncan met him. Interesting. Yeah. And that they just had a chance meeting that affected Duncan and his friend. Yes. And you're right. Neither flashback is integral to the plot of finale in any way. And they're not needed, but because they're stretching this out over a two-parter, they have the runtime mm-hmm. to be able to do it without it feeling like they're just filling time. So right. extra spice is the perfect way to put that, because it is. It's just that little bit more of like, this doesn't mm-hmm. need to be here, but now you get you get a reason why Duncan would react that way to Amanda trying to help him. Where it's like Amanda's right. heart's in the right place, even if mm-hmm. she can't quite get things done. But he's like, no, 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 you, I d- don't do this. I don't want to... I don't want you to do this for me because he had to learn that lesson when he was younger. Um, right. So I like that. And then, you know, the second one just is more kind of more Duncan and Amanda um, backstory. Mm-hmm. So, and again, with both of these, like we've discussed in a lot of previous episodes, they are the perfect length for mm-hmm. what the, a flashback needs to be in this particular episode. Like each episode only had one flashback, just one. Yep. And they used that time perfectly to set up the beat that they wanted to set up. You know, first with how Duncan takes to somebody, you know, in a challenge that's meant for him. The second one, more of just, you know, more of Duncan and Amanda's relationship. Both of them are just long enough, but not too long, but give us enough. Yes. Of what we need for that, that episode. Absolutely. And we didn't need more than one. 
And nope. so it was, but, but at the same time we would miss it if there wasn't a flashback somewhere mm-hmm. in a way. So it sort of keeps with the formula, especially again, syndicated show. Right. Right. So it worked. It was perfectly done. They're just, they're, mm-hmm. they're killer flashbacks for what they were trying to do here. We've seen, yeah. we have seen flashbacks that work with the story better. And I kind of I usually prefer those just because mm. when you're telling a condensed kind of bottle episode, you want, you want to utilize all your runtime. Right. Um, and I think had this been a one, a single episode thing, uh, then the flashbacks, we would have been like, well, why was that there? Like, why couldn't the mm-hmm. flashback have helped to give us more here? But we don't need that Maybe. because we don't need background on Callus. We already know him. We don't need background right. on Amanda. We already know her. Mm-hmm. So instead of using the flashbacks to kind of flesh out either the plot of what's currently going on or the character that you're getting introduced to, we don't need that. Right. So you can have a little more creative freedom with the flashbacks. So that's, mm-hmm. that worked as well. That's good. Yeah. Good, good flashbacks. My, my one tiny production nitpick sure. on the second flashback, Amanda's still wearing that same nose ring in the past. <laughs> that's that right. They made, a special effort to, and had a little bling at the when she first shows up in the first episode. <laughs> I just I noticed it, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, they filmed this all together. She couldn't take that thing out, could she? Huh? Okay, probably <laughs> not. Also, her wig was pretty pronounced in that flashback. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's very very noticeable. Yeah, but I'm used to that. But just True. the nose ring thing made me chuckle. Well, you know, it's fun to it's fun to find those things. Mm-hmm. Just to make you happy. Why? So you won't kill me when I tell you what happened. I broke Callus out of jail. So, Joe's back. Yeah, yeah, he is. We got Joe in this episode, uh, these two episodes, and it's great. It's it's great to have Joe back. Um, anytime Jim Burns oh, is on screen is is good. And my first thing was with him and Mythos being all buddy-buddy. It's like... <sighs> Dang. Setting up some things that are going to happen later on. But again, mm-hmm. you know, the chemistry between Jim Burns and Peter Wingfield is great. They have. Yeah. So we have, we have great chemistry between all kind of all of our major players. In yes. This, in this series, which helps a lot. But I also like that Dawson just, he wanted to meet Mythos and Mythos is like, yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, you know that I'm an immortal now, so I'm not going to hide that from you. Um, yeah, but it worked. But Joe, Joe gets some interesting moments in this because he starts off. He's in a pretty good mood. He's just like, hey, I'm here. I met this guy, mm-hmm. you know, but but you watch him deteriorate over the course of the first episode and into the second one because mm-hmm. his whole world is coming apart. Right. And he he desperately wants to stop it. And that desperation kind of gets the better of him a few times. Um, mm-hmm. that we talked about that moment at the end of episode one where he tries to shoot Christine and Duncan jumps in front of the bullet and yeah. he doesn't realize why Duncan did that mm-hmm. because he's so blinded by his need to protect immortals and watchers. Right. That's the thing. It's not Joe's the interesting character in that he's not in this just for the watchers. He's in it for the immortals too, because he's befriended Duncan and so many of them like other watchers, like, you know, when Duncan shows up in the European branch and they're all like, Oh, what's going on here? And Joe's just like, get over it, do your jobs, you know, like, but he's tied to both worlds and both worlds will come crashing down. If this data gets out the way they all believe it will. So it's it's really interesting to see him get so aggressive for both sides the way he does. Well, so aggressive and then so despondent, too. When his watcher is on the phone with him and Callus kills the guy and then picks up the right. phone and talks to him, like he's angry at first, but he you can see that Dawson's just like, at, he, he doesn't know what he can do now. Right. He's so mm-hmm. almost to the point of being lost. And again, mm-hmm. Jim Burns just being so good at this character you know yep. you've got the great moment between uh dawson and uh Vemus where they're they're mm-hmm. yelling and uh, the guy starts talking to adam and dawson's like you can't blame him for all this and the guy just turns to him and says no i blame you and he gets decked yeah. and it's it's a slightly different side of dawson we haven't seen 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked it, and and it's a credit to Jim Burns where he's believable in all of it. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And again, just him and Mythos too. Oh yeah, is amazing. And uh, you know, I was thinking about. It, I was like, how the heck did that happen? I wonder if Mythos said it's Adam was talking to uh what's her name first and then so, it was like yeah it was because I, I mean i need to get, i need some help let me get joe on this and then he approaches joe in whatever way like part of me really wanted to see how that all went down we don't get it but i'm like oh well that happened? so duncan at the end of the mythos episode duncan tells him hey your guy adam by the way right was mythos but then mm-hmm. he disappeared so we're left to not know what's going on, but basically Adam didn't disappear um, because once Callus went into prison, he could kind of go back to being Adam Pearson. Yeah. Because the only people that knew were Duncan, Callus, and now Dawson. Mm-hmm. Dawson's not going to say anything. Duncan oh, isn't right. going to say anything. So yeah, I, I that's like that's the part that happened off camera that would be interesting to mm-hmm. to get a scene on. Right. Is like. Adam finds out about Christine and how upset she is and calls Dawson and basically is like, uh, Hey, <laughs> y'all, y'all need to get here quick. Cause right. it's getting a little hairy here in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I'm always happy when I see Dawson on screen and then Dawson and mythos being, you know, their, their back and forths were great. And then it ends with them. I love that word where mythos is like, all right, come on, buddy. Let's go see what kind of trouble we can get into. <laughs> And they just right off into the night. Um, so it was, it was awesome. Um, and then Elizabeth Grayson is back as Amanda. We're always happy to see Amanda. Amanda's always a fun, yeah. fun person to have in here because she, uh, again, it's, a, it's an actor that knows the role. The chemistry mm-hmm. between her and all the other major players is great. Right. And Amanda, as a character, she has such grand designs. She wants to be better, and she wants to be better for Duncan, but she's terrible yeah. at it. She's just so bad yeah. at it. Like well, she, she's that character that thinks she's better than she really is mm-hmm. because she's gotten away with it, what she has. Yeah, she thinks she can get away with anything, and then she finds out, oh, I can't get away with this. But like even that, um, the first time with Callas. He runs away because he's, you know, just got out of prison. I don't want to deal with this and runs away from Amanda. The second time when she tries to confront him instead of Duncan on top of the rooftop, he gets her sword away from her real easy, but she makes an escape real easy. Like yeah. she had to have that plan for sure. It's like there's times where Amanda is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Times where she's good. <laughs> and there's other times where she's not, but it's so much fun to watch her. Well, because Amanda is good at getting herself out of difficult situations, mm-hmm. and but she is not good at kind of confrontation and taking somebody out. Like she's not a fighter. She can mm-hmm. she can fight, but she's not a one on one. I'm gonna challenge you and take you out type of fighter. If you remember her first appearance when she takes out um, Jason Isaac's character, it's that last minute like Duncan did all the work and then she takes the head. So, mm-hmm. and that's Amanda, Amanda, that, that's, she was kind of raised that way by Rebecca and mm-hmm. that's what she does. So she gets herself out of these situations really well. But then there's also like the romantic end of things with Duncan. And yeah, what's interesting about it is I sort of, I, I touched on it already, but they never come right out and say anything. They always dance around it mm-hmm. with each other. And it's been this unspoken yeah. thing since her, again, since her first appearance, it's always been there. That tension has always been there. Yeah. And so in this episode, they sort of got to release a little bit of that. Um, yeah. And got to sort of confess things to each other without coming right out and saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both did that. In in finale part two, they both kind of had the same moment where it's like, you know, well, I mean, I kind of, and, and, and the other person's like, yeah, I know. You always have. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> It it's like that thing that they do in normal shows where it's like, yeah, I just want to date. I don't want to get married. It's like, yeah, I I really like you. I don't I don't want to commit or anything, but I really like you. <laughs> yeah, it, they're Amanda and Duncan are the will they won't they of this show. Mm-hmm. But they also kind of have this unspoken thing where like they care for each other, 
but they also kind of know that they can't make it work like all the time. Right. So it's like Duncan's never really like when she shows up and is, Oh, I'm going to cook you dinner. And oh, I brought all this wine. She turns the music on and Duncan kind of turns the music off. Like, are we going to talk or what? You know, why are you here? And she deflects and deflects. And he's finally like, all right, turn the music back on. Let's enjoy it while I can. Like, so they have this, they have this deep connection and this, these deep feelings for each other without the overall commitment of like, we're going to spend our lives together mm-hmm. and it sort of works. Yeah. And it also allows, you know, for a plot reason for Amanda to come and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the characters, it works well enough. Like they both are okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. That's what's really interesting and uh, I think I kind of dig about the relationship is they both understand what this is. This isn't high commitment, but it's still, you know, they didn't say it outright, but they still love each other in their own weird way. Yeah. So, you know, Duncan's going to, like you said, enjoy the moment while he's got it. Well, you know, when, when Tessa was gone, after Tessa died, Amanda was there to confront or to console Duncan and to Mm -hmm. offer, you know her condolences, but also to, to offer him kind of a shoulder to cry on and to be there for him. And if you notice, I mean, in this episode too, when she comes back and she's, she's there specifically to butter him up because she wants, I love that where she's like, yeah, because I don't want you to kill me when you find out what I did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but she's there specifically for that reason. But what's the first thing she asks him? Where's your doctor friend? Where's, where's Anne? Because while Amanda loves Duncan, she's not going to interfere with his with with a relationship that he is in right which which is the thing that makes amanda so endearing mm-hmm. she's not there to get in between duncan or whatever moral relationship he's in the middle of she's she honors and respects that of him enough to not do that to him in any way shape or form so exactly. when she does show up and she knows you know they're not around she's like honestly asking what happened Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in Tessa's case, like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not just, oh, sorry, you know, humans. It's like, that's it's that part of Amanda where we see her art and she's genuinely sorry for Duncan for that loss. Yep. Whether it's Tessa dying or Anne leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what makes uh, Amanda such a great character. Mm-hmm. The passion of youth. Boys will be boys. And every cloud has a silver lining. What do you mean? If you die, Amanda will be free to date. So we have, we have, of course, a big final fight. Uh, I do want to quick talk just, just for a moment about um, the couple of other fights we saw. In the flashback was uh, Xavier and Hamza, um, which I liked the fact that we saw that fight take place, mm-hmm. but we watched it from Duncan's perspective, so it was far away. Right. And it was just mm-hmm. one long shot, and then that was it. I, I like that because, again, yeah. we talk about it a lot, storytelling in the fights that they do in this series because the fighting is such mm-hmm. an integral part of the lore. Yeah. So it's I think it was important for them to show that. Um, mm-hmm. When we had a quick fight between Amanda and Callus on a rooftop, which is always a fun kind of location for that to happen. Um, and, again, when Callus is clearly outmatching Amanda in fighting right. and takes her sword mm-hmm. from her. She's just like, I'm out and drops yep. down off the building. So mm-hmm. um, very Amanda thing. And then finally Duncan confronts him on top of the Eiffel tower, which talk about a cool location to use. Yeah. And while they're fighting, you've got Joe and Mythos and Amanda down on the ground, just watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fight on the Eiffel tower is not long. However, no, from a storytelling standpoint, I like that because Duncan is there with a purpose. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you know what? I'm ending this. This is going to be right. over. So he's not dancing around. He's not wasting any time. He gets right into it. And Callus, to his point, is also not interested in wasting any time with this fight. He mm-hmm. wants, he's, he's done. He's done with Duncan yeah. and one of them is dying. So it worked out. And I, and then they were able to use some some pretty good plot armor to get Duncan out of. They were able to give Duncan a way to kill Callus and not have uh, the information get out. 
Yeah. Because real quick though, before we get there though, just this fight. Let's just Okay. The choreography of this fight, mm-hmm. this was one hell of a sword fight. Like one hell of a sword fight for it this was. show. The way they did that, like you can tell that those actors had been practicing this and been working on this for a while because that was like a heck of a back and forth. Even on the little confined space that they were, even as short as it was, it was a great sword fight. Well, so the con- the confines of the location really added to it because you can't mm-hmm. have, you're not going to have a sprawling fight. You're not going to have a lot of flourish either. It's, it's you know, the, the location dictates the type of fight that you're going to get, which is very direct. Mm-hmm. So it made sense from a narrative standpoint. And then right. logistically, they're not going to be able to do a whole lot. So it's very quick. You're right. The choreography mm-hmm. was fantastic for it. And then the plot armor of Duncan <laughs> comes out on top and then use basically the Eiffel Tower is a giant lightning right, yeah. rod. And so the quickening. Because earlier in the episode, we have the watcher that's killed tell them where he's at, that he's close enough to the Eiffel Tower, they suspect. Mm-hmm. But they're not sure exactly right and then duncan's you know cuts scalus's sword he's like eiffel tower hmm very very good conductor of lightning Mm. Mm. it's a rainy day Mm. there's gonna be a lot of lightning when i uh chop your head off isn't there (laughs) basically yep and And then he like like he's hugging the eiffel tower to make sure (laughs) it was so good the quickening was longer than the fight to be honest, mm-hmm. like, yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it also, um, it's a big long, so they, they use their budget man for that quickening mm-hmm. and the, the effects of that. And the Eiffel tower is a gigantic lightning rod, um, which destroys Callus's computer and a whole lot of other stuff around <laughs> Paris. Just blowing, yeah, blowing up cars and shop windows. Uh-huh. And, like it takes out so many blocks of power and stuff. And you're like, Oh my God. And then, the Eiffel Tower must have a good backup system because after that, like a few seconds, it's right back up, yep. lit up. Oh yeah. It's like, okay. But boy, did it look cool! That was such a yeah. cool looking. And if that's going to be like, mm-hmm. if you're watching this show and that ends your season, that's a pretty good visual to end your season on. It, mm-hmm. They did that. They've done that occasionally, like the mid season one in in um, the mid season episode in season one where they have the fight on the giant sulfur piles. Right. Was another one of those kind of things where they, they give us an iconic visual moment and the him yeah. fighting and then, you know, lightning striking the Eiffel Tower and mm-hmm. lightning arcing off of that and Duncan like hugging the Eiffel Tower type of thing. <laughs> so good. And as much as a stretch as it is, it's a great plot device. Like oh, sure. I have no idea where your technology is, but your technology's close. Me killing you is gonna send some sparks out. There's a good chance. I'm going to come out on top of both ways if I take you out right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, okay. So that's how they're going to do it. Yep, exactly. All in all, I mean, this is a hell of a way to end a season. I personally mm-hmm. think this was a great two-part season finale. Yeah. Um, because I liked it a lot. I, I also liked when Duncan comes down off the Eiffel Tower and he makes mention of, well, that was a big one, wasn't it? Uh, that made me <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. And then the four of those four characters walking off, you know, quote unquote, into the sunset, into the darkness of Paris. Yeah. It was just so well done. Um, But when you have a show like this where they're basically going season to season, right? They don't know Mm -hmm. when they're producing these, if they're going to get to continue. So you've got to have something with some big stakes and some kind of finality to it Mm -hmm. um, in case you don't get picked up. It's hard to. It's not like um, mid-seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation where they could do like a season finale, season premiere that were two-parters mm-hmm. because they knew they were getting another season. They didn't have that. So, But right. what I liked was this episode had a good amount of stakes to it mm-hmm. without feeling overblown, and it had a good number of characters and extra characters that we don't normally see without feeling bloated. Mm-hmm. Because you've got Joe and Mythos and Amanda, and you've got Callus, right. and you've got Callus's minion in Nino, and you've got the little dudes, and you've got people that show up just in flashbacks, but none of it felt like out of place or overstuffed. Right. Yeah. Um, and obviously, 
making it a two-parter was the smart decision. If they had tried, mm-hmm. if they had tried to make it a single episode final, I, it's hard to say what would have made the cut because they would have had to cut some stuff out. Yeah, and I just feel like you'd lose a lot because you need Callus, and you need mm-hmm. him kind of doing what he does, but he's got to do more than just. I've got the watcher information and I, you know, I can let that go. There's got to be some stuff leading up to that. You got to see him, yeah. you know, taking people out and and doing some some evil deeds. Um, yeah, I think if it's if it was a one-shot episode, they would have lost the watcher part and it would have just been some kind of Duncan versus Callus kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it was smart to bring him back um mm-hmm. because he was such a big part of the middle of the season or two-thirds of the way through the season. So it also right. kind of lets you put a bow on some of that stuff, like with Fitz, and he gets name dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that as season finales go, finale was a good one. Um, yeah, and I, I think this was also a very good experimental finale, bringing um, Wiseman back in as Adam slash Mythos, and mm-hmm. throwing that against the wall and seeing how that fits. And boy, it fit really well. Oh, yeah. That works super good. So, you know, thinking of future seasons, it's like, okay, so this worked really well. Yeah, it did. Okay. Let's start working on more of this kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Because we, I mean, we're sitting here talking about it knowing what's coming. But thinking about, like you said, this is the second episode he's been in at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And seeing how well he worked in that first one and how well he worked with this finale and the way he just kind of slid in there and worked with all the different actors and characters. I you gotta think after this, after filming this and finishing up the season, the the producers and writers are just like, dang, that worked really good. Mm-hmm. We probably should do more of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, now and it work the the show works really well when you have side characters that can kind of slide in and out. Um, mm-hmm. let it focus around Duncan, but Duncan has been alive for 400 years. So he's got a lot of friends and a lot of relationships. So right. while, while we always are bummed when, you know, Joe isn't an episode or Richie isn't an episode, like he wasn't in these at the same time, allowing characters like Richie and Mythos and Joe and Amanda to sort of slip in and out and show up for an episode or two and then mm-hmm. leave, or you can have Richie around right. for a good long stretch. Mm-hmm. It works. So having, having this character who was meant to be a one-off and then they're like, you know what, let's bring him back. And they bring him back at the end of the season. And you're right. They, they had to finish this up and just be like, we want to bring you back. Like we want this character around some more because he fits so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And then was, again, like we said before, stretching it out over two episodes, doing a good job of delegating the character stories to where they were. And then also doing a good job of having tight flashbacks, having flashbacks in there, but have them be tight for specifically what we need them to be and not overstaying their welcome at all. What this episode did not, these, these two episodes did not have wasted runtime. We've seen episodes, either single episodes or even a multi episode arc where they reference something that's happened before where they waste runtime too much time spent reusing footage or too much time spent uh in the Mm -hmm. flashback they didn't do that here the story was well written and paced and Uh the flashbacks were used exactly the way that you need to use them and that's the thing they're getting their pacing down yep even at the beginning of part two where they do the last time on highlander thing Mm -hmm. they take you through callus's entire story that we've seen up to this point but they do it really well. Like we've talked about with previous episodes where they have not done that so well. No. Where they have shown like whole half an episode just to tell us what happens. Like you don't need to do all that. Well, you know. And then this one, that that last time on kind of thing where they tell Callus's story so succinctly to get us on board with where he's at at this point. It was like, dang, that was done really well too. So like they just, they wrote it and edited it and got everything put together in such a great way to make everything work and that every piece of screen time is worth it. Yes. Yeah, that that previously on was great because it was four episodes worth of story 
condensed into about a minute and a half. And we've seen where mm-hmm. they did a previously on for one episode that was two, three minutes long. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're getting their production down. They're getting their, their flow down, their pacing down. Um, and obviously you're going to put more effort into your season finales because, you know, premieres mm-hmm. and finales are are where a syndicated show kind of has to make its mark. You right. got to hook them at the beginning of the season, keep them, keep them around long enough to get through the 22 episodes. But that ending has got to hook them again so that they're ready and anticipating when the season premiere happens a few months down the road. So right. um, you're going to put your most effort into those and they nailed it. I think they really did well. Um, and it's leading us into, you know, the two best seasons of the show, which are four and five in right. my opinion. So it's, it's really, really, really good work. And again, this is an episode mm-hmm. that could have felt bloated and could have felt like too much is going on with, you've got Callus, you've got Amanda. And so you've got the interplay between Amanda and Duncan. You've got the interplay between um, Duncan and Callus. You've mm-hmm. got all the stuff going on with the Watchers. There's so much happening here that it could have been overblown and convoluted and they wove everything together so well. Yeah. Even in two episodes, they could have done a lot. They could have made this bloated. They could have. In two episodes. But they didn't. Good, good stuff. Well, that wraps up season three. We have. Yep. Audie, we have gone through three seasons of this show already. It's kind of hard to believe. I know. It's crazy. Um, Now, we're going to take next week off uh, just to kind of recover from from Christmas. It is the Christmas holiday. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So next week we will not be around, but we will come back the week after that, and we are going to recap season three. We're going to give out some of our uh, favorite and least favorite moments, and you know mm-hmm. our silly, our silly little awards that we like to do for every season. Um, and that is going to be in two weeks, um, and then after that, uh, it, we got another movie to watch. We're going to watch Highlander three. Now. Yeah. So so our next two episodes will be a recap, and then Highlander three. And depending on where you are, it's either called Highlander 3, The Final Dimension, or Highlander 3, The Sorcerer. <laughs> they're, they're the same movie. It's, yeah. it's Christopher Lambert and Mario Van Peebles and Mako, isn't it, as well? Or Mako. Nice. I'm never sure if it's Mako or Mako, because I've heard it both ways. Yeah, I think I've always heard Mako, but whatever. Uh, but that's what's coming up uh, to kind of wrap up our season three. Yeah. Um, and we, both of us would like to say thank you uh, to everyone who, who listens to the show, who shows up for our live streams. We live stream recording the show. So Amy, Ace um, are kind of our stalwarts. They're always there. Um, <laughs> and we've got a few people that float in and out. We love seeing you in there uh, in the chat mm-hmm. room. It's great. And, um, yeah, we, we do that Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. We record the show. And then it uh, gets edited down, put out as a podcast on Thursdays, anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander, um, or anywhere you get your, your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, um, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, if you do listen to the show and you enjoy it, uh, we do ask uh, for rating and review if you can. It's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and Especially on Spotify now, since they just released star ratings. Yeah. Yeah, Spotify is not doing that because it makes the show discoverable for people that you can't spread the word to uh, by yourself that are just Mm -hmm. searching for podcasts. It kind of helps to make the show show up for that. Um, I am on Twitter as TV's Travis, and I love to talk to anybody about just about anything, but definitely want you want to talk Highlander, hit me up on there. And Audie, you're on Twitter too. Yep, oddly normal one with the ones spelled out. And you also post your artwork there every week. And you do yep. uh, a new piece of art for each episode. And I liked this mm-hmm. one just because it was very simple. The disc. Yeah. It's the, I was uh, trying to think of how to do it this weekend. I was like, what if I just do the one thing that everybody's fighting over? It's, you know, what's great is the, this episode had the nineties, the most nineties of nineties MacGuffins. And that was a computer <laughs> disc. So that was well, a, a CD, not a computer disc, a CD. So fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, you know, how many times was that like, definitely. get the disc and it was a CD. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that was awesome. I loved it. As, as usual, you kill it with that art. Uh, so if you want to find that oddly normal one with the one spelled out, mm-hmm. you can see that art. TV's Travis. Um, talk to us about uh, Immortals. There's the reboot yeah. movie coming out with Henry Cavill. Um, or yeah. not coming out, start shooting hopefully next year, 2022. Hopefully. 
which is exciting. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, of course, uh, you know, we put the show out every week. Season four is going to be a fun one. We'll be starting that up uh, probably right around end of January, middle of February. We'll take after the Highlander three movie, we'll probably take a short break um, just to recoup and and get ready to, to fire it out for season four. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> until two weeks from now and our season three recap, this has been the finale of season three called finale. Boy, that's not confusing at all. I've said finale more in this episode, I think, than than I've ever said in my life. So the final <laughs> finale of finagling finales for season three. We have done it. And in two weeks, we'll be back with the season three recap. But until then, remember that there can be only one giant lightning rod. There you go. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>